Welcome to Surfcast. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Dr. Jeff Salyer. Jeff is the Director of Media Services at Lee University and Assistant Professor in Communication. He and his wife, April, have two children, maybe some dogs hanging around the house, and a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy this conversation with my guests, and here's one of the reasons why. This guy has a clear voice on how to advance your mission and your goal in the middle of a chaotic world. We'll be right back. Jeff Salyer, welcome to Servecast, man. I'm glad you finally made it to the, to the studio with me, and we're going to have a conversation. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me. You've been doing this a while, and I'm, I'm a little hurt, William, that I didn't get on earlier. <laughs> We've been talking about this a long time. A long time, but I think now is the right time, right? Yeah, because, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just honored to be here. No, it's all good. You know, everybody's uh, using these terms now. You were made for this, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and I believe that to be true, and um, one of the reasons that I am glad that you're able to be with us today is because I think you have a clear voice on how people can advance their content in a world of chaos in the middle of what Lee University is doing. But first, give us a little history about you. And um, we know you have a PhD. We know all that kind of stuff. But what I really want to know is, why does Lee matter to you? And you know, how long have you been mm-hmm. hanging around here, both as a student and uh, yeah. a staff member now? So I got here in 1997 as a student. Uh, studying history when I first got here, and then I changed over to telecommunication, which is now digital media. And then I became full-time staff in 1999 as a student. So I started working in video production. I worked, I was in campus choir and sound for them and did video for them. And then I met the guy named Dr. Ron Gilbert. He gave me an opportunity to work here at Lee in video and doing production for what he was doing uh, and making promotional materials and doing some live event recording, that kind of thing. And I just stuck with it. It was one of those places I did not intend to stay here for my life or for a long time. I intended to use it as a nice springboard to help me pay for school and then jump off and go do some sports broadcasting or something else in the production field. And I just got really comfortable, but not comfort in a way like I'm settling, comfort in a way of like this place felt like home rather than uh, you know, having to go out for adventure. There was always something going on here. It's always a change, always new people, new students, new challenges. And um, I think Dr. Gilbert kept it interesting for me. Dr. Khan kept it interesting for me. And it just settled into a really nice feel and a place that I could build a career and build a life. Now, this episode is actually airing on Good Friday. And so, you know, Easter's right around the corner. And um, you're a person of faith. So can you draw from from your history for just a minute and, and tell me why you think faith is so important in this current world in which we're living in, where we are just, man, we are overwhelmed with corona. We're overwhelmed with, you know, all that's happening right now in the world. Why does faith matter to you? you know, we know why you love Lee, but but why why faith and why are those two connected? So, yeah, faith plays a huge part of my life, and it has since a young as a young child, my parents raised me in the church, and um, my wife was the same way, raised in the church. And what faith means to us is is a bedrock. It's something that um, even when the world around you is shaky or when, when you don't understand where you are, there's always a foundation to come back to, and our faith is that foundation for us. So we build upon that foundation, and it sounds a little cliche, it sounds a little Sunday schoolish. Uh, you know, we don't want to build our house on the sandy ran- sandy land so it get washed away. We do want to build on a rock because when you get tough challenges like this that we're going through right now, 
as a wor- as the world, as the country, as our community, as Lee, as our family, then you have something to stand on that gives you, um, I don't know, it, it, it helps you to pick back up and go um, when you get knocked down. And that does sound really cliche, but it's what we've been leaning on lately. So every night when we pray with our children, it is God help the people around us, help our community, help our state, our country, and our world to get through this situation and to turn to you for hope and live faith out. And so that's kind of where we're at is we're in the live faith out moment because this doesn't, we're not living under fear. We're not scared. We are uh, cautious and we are, we pay attention and we, we're careful, but uh, the world is scared. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we uh, can project what we really feel about not being scared about the world, then I think that's a good thing for, for everybody around us. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm not sure that everyone knows about you is you're a filmmaker. Now, you're obviously a, a great film guy for Lee, and you know you, you handle all of our media services here, and it has just probably been, I don't know how many hours you normally work out of 24 in a day, but I'm sure you've made more than that in the recent last few yeah, weeks. that's for sure. Yeah, but you're also a filmmaker, so yeah. why, why is your passion so much to not just be a teacher of film, which you do with your students, but to mm-hmm. actually deliver some film development or kind of, what, do, what do you call that? Like film? I produce. Some yeah, producer. Yeah. Well, it's twofold. So in one sense, that when you're teaching it, I think you should be a practitioner of what you teach or at least been a, been a practitioner of what you're teaching. It gives you credibility. It gives you the ability to speak from um, uh, experience, which is a big thing. But also, I feel like I'm a creative in the sense I'm a storyteller or I want to empower storytellers. So a producer's role oftentimes is empowering somebody who has a story to tell and helping them get it out there, get it told, get it made in the right ways. And so that's why I'm in film is because I like to empower people to tell the stories that matter to them. Sometimes that's based in our faith. Sometimes it's just based in who we are as humans and people and how we connect. And so I've made several short films with collaborating with directors here on campus and a couple of feature films. And, you know, it's exciting and fun and that's part of it, but it's also educational for me. I learn something every time. And then I'm also able to tell stories, which is part of who we are as humanity, as people. We're the Alistair McIntyre uh, philosopher says we are uh, essential. Uh, storytelling is essential to who we are. We're homo narrans. And it, that's just who people are. We're storytellers. So you tell stories. Podcasting is a great example of people telling stories, whether it's about themselves or an experience they had. Movies are storytelling, whether it's a documentary or a narrative. Songs tell stories. Paintings tell stories. And so that is um, very important to who we are. And so using a medium like film is very pervasive in the culture and society and or television. And so that's a good place to be. And if you want to get truth out there, that's how you can tell it with film. And plus, I just like doing it. Sure. And you're good at it. You're really good at it. Um, I'm sure that somebody is already beginning to uh, write their script for the COVID-19 film mm. that will hit the market at some point in the game. There'll be several, you know? I'm sure. Yeah. Somebody told me the other day they think they went through this. I guess they'd watch the movie Outbreak or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. So yeah, that, maybe, it, maybe that wasn't such a nice on, thing to say. On, on Netflix, a lot of the pandemic <laughs> films are ones trending right now. I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I really, I, of course, Jeff, you and I are friends, you know, and that and I, I guess because you were my friend, it was, took so long for you to get on the actual Servcast <laughs> interview. But um, 
one of the questions I think that that kind of looms in my mind about all of this is while while you prepare ahead of the game, it looks like you do as a general rule, you know, um, what what did you learn early on that you had to draw from when this pandemic really hit? Now I was in Honduras at the time. I was in mm-hmm. Honduras with a team team of students, you know, when this thing started, and we safely made it home. But you guys, in a matter of one week, you know, from the academic side, went to a complete online, and then just blitzing content after content, creative content. What what's a lesson you learned early on in life that you think positioned you to be able to draw so quickly? without losing ground here and in fact gaining ground and moving the university forward in effective digital media, you know, um, outlet. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if I look back on my life, I mean, hard work is not any, that's something that's always been ingrained in me because my father is just, you never met somebody who worked harder in your life. My dad, but yeah. Yeah, he doesn't (laughs) stop, right? So he's retired now, but that means nothing. Uh, he just does not stop, and he doesn't stop serving people. But I think when it comes to just paying attention to what's going on, it's a lot of listening. So it's not just listening to the person in front of you. It's listening to the culture. It's listening to the news. It's listening to politicians. It's listening to everybody. But then being able to critically analyze and critically approach those things and then apply it into whatever, how you're going to tell the story. So my whole thing about telling stories in a, in a crisis moment is being open and clear and quick. Hmm. So the, the longer you take to tell your version or what you're going to do or what you need to do, the more people are going to get a little cynical, could, could get a little cynical about your approach. So you got to be open about it. you got to be clear and you got to be quick. Um, but not too quick. So it's measured. So I think when I, growing up, I played sports and I participated in a lot of clubs and did a lot of things at Lee that was leadership driven and all those kind of things built into like paying attention. And then we have a great team here at Lee and so we collaborate. So if there's anything that's gone on right now that I've learned uh, even recently is the importance of collaboration with people on your team outside of your team, your leaders, and the people who work with you and for you, and listening to all those people, because then really good things come from that. So a lot of the ideas of the content that we're putting out right now came from different areas of the university and also came from the top. So Dr. Khan and Dr. Van Hook uh, down to us, and then we're like, yeah, let's go with it. And we adjust and move and we evaluate and we analyze and we reanalyze and then we remake stuff so mm-hmm. it's being flexible but also listening a lot you know i think one of the, one of the enemies of collaboration is competition and i think the competition mm-hmm. a lot of times doesn't show up until maybe we're either in either in the middle of it or we kind of came through it and had a disappointing moment or a fail how can we we approach competition you know um and then also this idea of collaboration i mean do you see that do you think that sometimes that competition um combats you know, collaboration and how can we resist that urge to, because right now, like you're talking about, everybody wants their voice out there first, you know, their voice Mm -hmm. out there first. I mean, I mean, people are putting content out by the seconds almost now, you know, so how do we not let competition defeat us but also staying a little bit competitive and ahead of our brand in the game? Does that make sense? Yeah. So the message matters the most. And so what are you trying to say? And what are we trying to communicate and with who? So I, we can't pay attention to, I mean, if you're talking about other competitors in the market, like other universities, 
to Lee, it's great. We we want them to do their thing, but we want to do our thing and be who we are and be true to ourselves and our own identity. And we're not going to mimic or copy somebody else because that wouldn't be authentic. Mm-hmm. People would be like, what are you doing? That's not you. That's not your voice, right? We want our voice to be heard. And it does matter what other people say. And we do pay attention to it, not in a competitive way, but in a way of like, okay, they're right. We're missing this. Or, okay, we're evaluating. We are doing this well. Um, and I, you know, internally competition for that, that, um, messaging can get troublesome too. And so we've really been intentional about just talking to everybody, Mm -hmm. uh, from academics all the way through. And hopefully everybody feels included in the messages that are going out. And that comes from good leadership. I mean, Dr. Khan's phenomenal in these kind of situations. This isn't the first time the university has faced something difficult like this. Mm -hmm. And this is a more on a global scale than, than kind of a campus scale. But, um, that leadership will then, uh, for lack of a better word, trickle down to the other people serving in the university. And we will, you know, exude that in our messages too. So there's not really a lot of room for competition in something like this when it's something is important, when you just got to be authentic to yourself. Now, once you get that one, you know, again, we're talking general because we know some of our listeners, uh, maybe from, you know, maybe they're students, obviously. We have mm-hmm. listeners that I don't know what the count is now. We're, we're upwards of probably 35, 40 countries, you know. So we've got people listening to us from all over the place. But but once you get that message clear, mm-hmm. you know, once you've done your collaborative work, once you begin to create your content, what do people need to know on how to get that seen and heard in the market? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's tough too because like you said before, there's so many people putting out so much stuff right now, but there's also basically a captive audience. Um, you know, most people are home consuming. I saw a chart today that talked about YouTube, Netflix, and some other streaming services on the rise, but on their desktops rather than on phones, which is an interesting thing that's going on. People are always on their phone connected, but you know, everybody's got to get their message out. So you you probably got these. Every company you've ever signed up for an email, a newsletter, bought something from is going to send you their COVID-19 update, yep. right? Well, that can get a little noisy. You know, everybody's... A lot noisy. Right. So, <laughs> so you don't want to necessarily be that noise. You want to provide something that's going to engage an audience, and you have to know who your audience is. So when we're talking about ourselves, we're going to talk about ourselves in a way that it really reflects who we are in methods and on channels that we're already established on. Um, we may branch out and do something different. We'd actually made a, like a TikTok this year, but we haven't really, or this last couple of weeks, but we haven't explored beyond just making that first one. You know, you, you try new things, you innovate. And so that's part of it is just innovating what you're already doing. And so what we do is just increase the amount that we're doing that hopefully speaks to, a variety of audiences that we have in our constituency. So our students aren't on campus and what they normally get on campus is connectivity with mm-hmm. each other. They get connectivity in their dorms through small group. They get connectivity through student development and spiritual life and all these things that they're not going to get at home unless we bring it to them. And so that's what we're doing. We're mm-hmm. really trying to connect with our students. It's the primary goal and make them feel like they're still a part of the campus, even though the campus is empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that will flow 
positive, you know, messaging out for our recruiting sakes and for our alumni and for the community, the people that also matter to us and the people who don't know us. They're going to see how we react in a situation like this and hopefully be impressed or at least um, understanding of how we're approaching it. And Mm -hmm. so we really wanted to focus on the students first and then kind of work our way through our constituency that way. So if you do that, your content won't get lost, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's really about knowing who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. In addition to your work here at the university, I know that you are also very faithful and committed to your local church. So let's talk about churches for just a minute. One of pastor from my brother, actually, um, Pastors at a relatively small church, uh, I mean small, like, you know, 25 or less probably, has been pastoring this church for quite a long time and has been very faithful and a lot of transition, a lot of people coming in and coming out. He told me after he did his first um, message on uh, his little cell phone, you know, mm-hmm. and posted on the internet, he's like, man, I never thought I would preach to 500 people, you mm-hmm. know, and he's now consistently getting you know, upwards of a thousand views on his stuff, you know, and, and we know how to translate all of that. But the point is, what do you say to these pastors out here that really want to be true to themselves, want to be true to their church, but they don't have resources, man. They don't yeah. have, it, it can't, it can't look like a flash. It, gets, it doesn't look professional. Sure. It doesn't have all that stuff. You know, what, what do you say to those people that, um, that really believe that they, they want to stay plugged in and delivering good content and good right. work? You're not North Point. You're not Church of the Highlands. You're not these mega churches. Don't try to be. Mm. There's no reason to try to be because that's that's not who you are. That's not the people you're serving. Serve the people in your church first, and the gospel or your message will go out from there, right? So uh, a good friend of mine that I run with a lot is a pastor at a local church here in Cleveland, and they couldn't have service, and so he just went on his, at his kitchen table had his Bible open, opened up his phone, went Facebook Live, told his church what he was doing, and preached a ph- phenomenal sermon to them. Mm-hmm. He played a little praise and worship music from his phone and just had a moment, and it was a really nice, that's who he was, that's who their church was, and it res- it resonated with his people. Mm-hmm. Our church, we did, we actually are doing more than we've done before, but not outside of our ability. So... We did have to spend a little more money for live stream. So a lot of churches are choosing to do live stream right now, which is great. We were already doing it. We just upgraded it so we could do Facebook Live too. Mm-hmm. And so we're pre-recording services on Saturday, playing them on Sunday during church time at 1030. But at the same time, we're doing drive-in church, mm-hmm. which has become a popular thing. So we did drive-in church from the very first week that we couldn't meet. And our pastor got in the back of a pickup truck and preached a sermon and just was who he was. And we had so many cars in the parking lot, and actually every week since then, the number of cars in the parking lot have increased. And people want community, and you don't get that connectivity necessarily um, online, but then you do. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun time to be uh, the church, because I think a lot of churches are innovating. A lot of churches are trying to innovate beyond their means, and that, that can spell some danger, because that can be frustration for you. There's no reason to be frustrated if you can't do something, right, just do who you are. So if it is, put your cell phone out there, mm-hmm. selfie mode, and give a short devotion or sp- preach a sermon, then do that. If you can, you know, safely recreate a service and safely recreate a service, but don't be inauthentic to who you are. Don't try, don't, and I'm not saying don't try, I'm saying mm-hmm. don't try too hard. Like, don't make it so difficult that you, that you don't do it well. Um, because I think you might do a little more damage than you're doing good. Just 
don't feel the pressure. It's like what we talked about before. Don't feel the pressure of competition because your church, like I said, is not North Point. It's not First Baptist of your town. It's not the whatever. It, it might be, but you don't have to feel the pressure to compete with other people in your town, just like you wouldn't feel the pressure to compete when you're on a normal Sunday morning when you're all meeting together in your sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, I, I think that's really good advice for people because the, the nature in us is to always think somebody's better than us, yeah. you know? And I like to look at it this way. There, there is somebody who's better than me, but I still need to be excellent in my craft. I've mm-hmm. still got to be really good at what I'm trying to do. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you mentioned being a runner. Now I'm a marathon runner as well. The difference between, for our listeners who are listening right now, the difference between Jeff being a marathon runner and me being a marathon runner is when Jeff crosses the marathon, it's at like 359, four, men, four hours, 429, something like that. For me, it's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So (laughs) I'll finally come back across. But the other day, this runner's club that I, um, you know, was a part of once or twice. I have the T-shirt to prove it, the Half Warriors Club. You guys just hit the county run. In one week, you went from one end of the county east to west and from the other end of the county north to south. What was it, 26 Point something one way and 18 and a half yeah. the other direction. It's like 25.2 uh, north to south and then 18 and a half from west to east. Yeah. Man, I, I mean, of course, I know that was just like a, a, a you know, motivating moment for you with, with your friends that you run with. But but what have you learned from that? What did you learn from? I mean, you, you got a bunch of marathon yeah. ribbons and things like that. This one was different. You know, um, didn't have as much traffic probably contend with as normal. Talk about that. Little dogs. Had some dogs to contend with to get out in the county. <laughs> they had to run away from a few, chase a few off. Um, you know, those runs, if we're going to transition to running a little bit, those runs are a little different because they're we consider those adventure runs. Mm-hmm. They, were, they weren't timed. It's not about race. It's about the camaraderie and the community of doing something you've always wanted to do, which is run across the county. And we kind of joke we run this county. Um, but those were just things we wanted to do and this gave gave us a good opportunity we don't have things to go do on a saturday now when we can just get together and and run and take our time and not be rushed when you're training for a race oftentimes you're trying to train to be fast like you want to beat your time i'm trying to train to to finish jeff uh, you're training to be fast i'm trying to i haven't broken four hours (laughs) on a marathon yet but so and we are training for some stuff but it's you know, all the races in the fall were canceled, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, in the spring were canceled. Most of the summer things so far have been canceled, and so everything's stacking up in the fall. Well, we need, we when you run, you want a goal to have towards, and this is just a fun goal for us, but it's something we've talked about for a long time, mm-hmm. and we finally just did it. And we were only going to do north-south, and then that, that Saturday we were like, what if we went west to east? What would that look like? And so the next Saturday we went, West to East. Mm-hmm. So this Saturday, we're not doing anything major, major, but uh, one another Saturday, we're going to do this route that we've been talking about forever. Uh, it's like a 23-mile route. So we're just taking the time that like that we have, and we're just mm-hmm. experiencing a, you know, a great adventure with each other mm-hmm. at a safe distance. Yeah, and of course, if I was running with you guys, it'd be a very safe distance <laughs> because I would be like 300 <laughs> yards behind you. But uh you know, I, I think the, the reason I wanted to talk about that for just a minute is because I want people to understand you're very busy. You are incredibly um, creative. You're very important, especially right now at Lead, you're always important, but very important right now to make sure that the content that is delivered is top-tier stuff, right? But everybody needs somewhere to connect, mm-hmm. somewhere to have 
a place to belong, Mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of ways. Where do you draw your inspiration and strength from? Mm. You know, I know you talked about your running buddies and you get a little bit of that from there, but, but really Jeff, you're a, you're a really creative person. Where do you get, where do you get your inspiration from? First of all, I'm a little uncomfortable with you talking so good about me because I get uncomfortable with that kind of stuff. So I don't feel like I'm that important. Um, I, you know, I'm inspired by a lot of things and a lot of people. And it's a, co- it's a collective of people that do that. I mean, my family inspires me tremendously. My wife's a school teacher and uh, she teaches a, at a high level to kids who desperately need connection. And she understands that and can do it. And she's doing it now via Google Hangouts with her students and their parents. And she's just doing an amazing job. My dad and my mom both work so hard. Um, and they ingrain that into me to just, you work. I mean, you just work hard and you try hard. And so they did that. But then I'm surrounded by people who are phenomenal at their craft. Um, and that you know and I work with them every day and I get to work with students who inspire me because they come from different places and backgrounds and they get here and you see them develop so much and then you see them get into their professional life and they become better than you are which mm-hmm. is exactly what I want want mm-hmm. right I want them to become better than anything my level could be and then I get to work with those guys again you know and those ladies I mean they're just it's Phenomenal. I mean, and I get inspired by my running group. I mean, one of the guys, Matt Ryerson, is the CEO of United Way, Knoxville, after being CEO here in Bradley County for a long time. He's on a running streak that's five years long. He's crazy. He's he, my neighbor. He's, he's crazy. crazy. Yeah. He is. But it's that persistence and consistency, and it just shows the drive that a person can do and have. And, you know, people like that that lead big big organizations Mm -hmm. that are raising multiple millions of dollars and they're just consistent in their life. And it just shows me what I can be, you know, what I need to strive for. And I have that in in all areas. I mean, I could name, if I named a bunch of people, then I'd be in trouble because I'd leave somebody out. But in every aspect of my life from faith, family, community, and work, uh, I'm, I have people that surround me that encourage me, push me, um, you know, sometimes chastise me to do better or do what I'm supposed to do, stay focused. That's usually my wife, mm-hmm. to stay focused on what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, that that's kind of where I draw my inspiration. But also, I just, I love hearing good stories, and, you know, my faith inspires me. So all those things is a, is a collective. So I don't really have a one thing that I draw from. It's just a lot of different things that I'm fortunate enough to surround myself with. Mm-hmm. What is the most important thing you want people to know after listening to this episode? about themselves and how they can be better in what they do. Mm. People should know that they need to be who they are. And always you can always better yourself through education and experience and being surrounded by people who will help change you in a positive way. But people shouldn't try to not be who they are, to be something else that they're not called to be. Like this, the authenticity buzzword is huge and it has been for a while. And it, it, again, it feels cliche, but really being who you are to the people around you and in your job or your vocation or your calling will be as important to people around you as it is to you. So if I'm inauthentic, if I try to be something I'm not, if my leadership style goes from one thing to the other and it's just not who I am, the people around me are going to see that and they're not going they're they're not going to follow that. Mm-hmm. 
or if I'm a certain way with my family that I'm not really, then they're not going. That's not going to create a conducive environment to thrive. So being authentic, being who you are, and then challenging those around you to do the same, I think that's where people can uh, hope that they would get from this conversation that I don't see myself as anything more than myself. And so that's why I get uncomfortable when talk people sure. talk kind things about me, which I don't always see, which I think that's a, that's the a truth for a lot of people. But um, I want to be what I've been called to be. And then always just improve myself. But when then people compliment you, it gets a little, it gets mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the I don't even know if that answered your question. It, it, it or does not. actually, and I think the authenticity piece is what's so critically important for us because um, right now, really, all we have is conversation. You know, I I, I forgot how much I like to eat out, mm-hmm. but I figured out recently that I don't think it's really about eating out so much because I can still get food. It was about who I'm with. Yeah. The time spent sitting yeah. over a, you know, a, a, a bowl of salsa and a basket of chips. You know? No, I tweeted about that the other day. Like, I miss that connective part mm-hmm. of uh, the relational part of going out to eat. Or even, I'm a huge coffee drinker. So I love going to a coffee shop in the morning and just drinking coffee. But then whoever comes in, get to connect with. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I talked about. Just yesterday, I missed my faculty colleagues in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. So we eat in the cafeteria just about every day around here. Mm-hmm. And I'll have we lunch. Did. We did, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll have lunch with yeah. people that I teach with or people I work with. And we don't talk about work. We talk about movies. Mm-hmm. We talk about life and our kids. Or we talk about... And that I miss that. Now, I know we can do it in a mediated way, but it's not the same as sharing a meal with somebody or sharing a cup of coffee with somebody. And so I miss that a lot. That's one of the things that, you know, now at home, things have been more connected because I go home and we eat a meal together and we hang out and we watch a movie together. And that's really great. Um, So I do miss that. And I think when, when when we come out of this COVID crisis, one of the things that's going to happen is we're going to find real ways to connect with mm-hmm. each other person to person. Mm-hmm. I think we'll put our phones down a little bit more. I think we'll um, want to be in the same space as people mm-hmm. because we haven't been in the church too. I think the church is going to thrive after this is over because people realize what community the church is that you can do church online. It's not the same exact thing as doing church with other people. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts, Jeff. What is one discipline that you have had to master in your own life through this last three and a half, four weeks crisis, you know, and um, and how will you uh, or can you challenge the rest of us to find our own discipline that we need to either master or put into play so that we can continue to be very effective, as effective as you have been in getting our message out? So I think the discipline, probably some of the most disciplined things that have come out of this for me is I am still running, mm-hmm. which keeps me physically centered. And when I get exhausted because we're spending so much time at work or working distance or um, just thinking through creative ways to, to ex- and creative things to make and then executing those things, mm-hmm. it keeps me kind of in a straight line like that's the one thing that hasn't really changed for me is the running and the exercise side of things i may be eating a little differently because we're eating on the fly because we're making content and we may be changing things up and there are some long hours and some long days there have been but as long as i can stay consistent like 
my exercise, mm-hmm. and then just communicating with the people around me, especially the people that I can't be in front of all the time, mm-hmm. whether that's phone calls, text, Zoom. There's been that really consistent communication piece that's probably better now than it was before the virus hit. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Jeff, it's been great to have you in the studio with us today. I'm thankful that you finally became a guest on ServeCast, and I appreciate all the inspiration that you've given me leading up to this point. Do I get a hat now? You got it. Okay. Thanks, William. I appreciate you having me here. You got it. Hey, guys, as always on ServeCast, I want to challenge you and remind you that you're made for more. Um, Easter is coming up in just a couple of days, and so if you're a person of faith, celebrate that well. If you're not a person of faith, then uh, reach out to who I think is my best friend ever, my Redeemer, because he loves you as much as he loves everyone else. All right, guys, be reminded each time that you catch our episode, we'd love for you to refer it to someone else. And you can also get our Two Minute Tuesdays now available on YouTube on the channel DR William Lamb. That's doctor without the period, William Lamb. Have a great day. We'll catch you next time on Surfcast. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.